Thanks for listening to NYC. You can catch us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. Be sure to check our social media page on Twitter and Facebook. And like always, we appreciate our guests, family, friends, and you, the listeners. Okay, let's get right to it. We've got Scott Ligo and Dory Bennett. Welcome to the show. We got a lot to get into, but first, how are you guys doing? Uh, ladies first. Well, <laughs> thanks. Hey, doing well. Doing well. Um, you know, amidst all the amidst all the craziness, uh, will with all the weather and the COVID and everything happening, how, how's Grandma in Puerto Rico? Uh, I don't know. Um, I can't get in touch with her. Uh, power is down. I've reached out the last two days after they had the tropical storm and all the flooding that's happened out there. So to be honest with you, as of uh, Saturday afternoon, I do not know what her status is. I am taking comfort and hoping that if there was... Um, something terribly wrong that someone some neighbor somehow would have gotten in touch with me by now um she's very resilient uh she has supplies she has water she's she's all stocked up um i've sent her uh, a bunch of equipment to keep her sustained even if she doesn't have um uh water uh she has barrels of water she has a water filtration system so I'm hoping that she's okay. Even if they don't have power, she has uh, a couple other ways um, to uh, feed herself because she has a gas stove and you know, and so on and so forth. So haven't heard from her. Hope she's all well. But she is such a strong, um, strong woman that I know that she's going to be five, even though she's going to be 87 years old uh, on August 16th. Wow. Wow, that's, awesome. that's fantastic! Yeah, thanks for asking. That I appreciate is fantastic. it. Fantastic, of course. Yeah, and I'll course. and I'll keep you guys uh, abreast of the situation. At least I'll text you guys when I get in touch with her, and she tells me everything is fine, and this storm can't do nothing to break her because she's been through hurricanes, earthquakes, <laughs> and God knows, life. Eighty-seven years of life. That's uh, uh, she's gonna take out her chancla and smack. Uh, all all the negativity out of life out of its way, so she'll be all right. There you go. She's amazing, Scott. How She's are you amazing. doing? How's your step stepson? Uh, how how are things uh, with him and and uh, them trying to stay uh, healthy at Penn State? And and how's your family? Uh, you know, we're all good personally. Uh, you know, just trying to stay ahead of this whole thing. You know, like everything else, it's about planet hour by hour, day by day, minute by minute, because everything's changing constantly. But, uh, you know, they're doing good at Penn State. Uh, things are, you know, trucking along. They're starting the process. You know, we'll find out. Uh, we'll see how, uh, you know, how well they can stay within their bubble. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a constant moving thing, and they really can't, you know, put their finger down on it yet. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Dory, how's Shorty and uh, and your mom? Oh, they're doing really well. Uh, they have their 60th wedding anniversary, 6-0, August 20th. Wow. And we, right? That's awesome. Right, right. And we had a little family gathering plan, and uh, we, meaning the four adult kids, and with their approval, parent approval, all, all, always with parent approval. And they called the other day, dad called the other day and just said, you know, we're not comfortable having it with the COVID 
numbers rising and the number of people is going to be about 15. And that's just immediate four siblings and their kids. And so they just said, you know, we'll just postpone it and do it at Christmas, which was an option, which was an option. So, you know, they're they're but they're doing so well. Oh, my gosh. Healthy, playing golf, getting out to uh, what we call the farm, which has which has short dog handling, a sprinkling system that is high tech. And they have a whole bunch of tomatoes that are that are uh, tomato plants that are growing like crazy. So they're good. They're happy. They're healthy. And they're good. They're great. So thanks for asking. Well, this show covers everything, including tomatoes. So um, for all the yes. listeners out there, <laughs> we've got uh, tomatoes and parties uh, being covered and responsible parents uh, setting the example of social distancing for all you boys and girls out there. Wear your mask, social distance, and if you have to put off any parties, then be responsible and do the right thing. So shout out to the Bennett family for leading the way and setting an example. We've got a lot to talk about. The WIA continues to adjust their upcoming schedule for the fall. We have some new developments with that that just came out two days ago. Um, hockey is back. NBA is back. Baseball is in trouble. What can we? What what can we see? where those dominoes may fall and how that might affect uh, football. And speaking of football, we have four of the Power Five uh, conferences going with conference-only games. We'll get into that. But first, let's start out uh, this week. Um, there was an article according to uh, uh, John, uh, according to the Oregonian and Oregon Live columnist John Canzano, the Pac-12 paid the LA Times and the Players' Tribune for increased coverage Quote, unquote, literally in a meeting, our communications people were like, is there anyone we can pay to write positive stories? One Pac-12 staff member told Canzano, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, Scott, we'll go with you first. Uh, what is your thoughts about hearing the Pac-12 was trying to have this relationship with the L.A. Times, which they're denying, and we'll get into that later, uh, about trying to find a way to rebrand and get some positive articles out there? You know, obviously, there's a big, huge concern. Um, you know, number one, and we've addressed it on this show before. You know, the leadership from the Pac-12 network uh, itself has been so shaky with uh, you know Mr. Scott leading the group, and uh, I, I just think that you know uh, it just it parlays to exactly what we've talked about on this show. I mean, it's the Pac-12 might be irrelevant right now, uh, just because we're on the far left of the United States and we're the last guys to show or timing when we show our uh, games at 7.45 at p.m. on West Coast time, which is really 10.45 East Coast time, uh, we're just irrelevant. And uh, I think it's really sad that if that's true, that a Pac-12, you know, official said that, uh, you know, that we need to have somebody write up positive stories for us when we have a Pac-12 network and we have, you know, people that are in on the, uh, uh, that they're being paid to do these kinds of things and they can't get enough traction alone just from those guys. Uh, it's a it's a concerning issue, and obviously, you know, the next piece of that whole thing is, l- let's be honest, uh, you know, if, if a paper takes money to write positive stories, is that you know journalism at its best? And number two to their issue is, you know, let's be honest, you know, papers are kind of going by the wayside. So, was it more of an economic reason they had to take the money and and, and take this deal? I mean, a hundred thousand dollars for a for a, a uh, you know. A newspaper right now is a lot of money, so 
Um, you know, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll address it later whether the story is true or not. But at this point, as I take it at face value, it's very, very concerning from my position. Dory? Well, I would just say that um, we shouldn't be surprised. And yet it's shocking because the integrity of, of the media takes a huge hit just the just the bottom line and and that is that that as a broadcast journalism major at the university of washington and communications law like this thing has lawsuit written all over it and even more than that the integrity of the la times is is hugely in question greatly in question but the fact that the pac-12 would even initiate this offer and conversation tells us even more about the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network. It really does. And the people running it at the top. So let, let, let's talk about it from the LA Times. Uh, Hillary Manning, the VP of Communications at the LA Times, they issued a statement uh, from the media company denying the Oregonian story and claiming it it was based on misinformation. I'm doing my quotes, my air quotes, if you can't see me, which no one can. I'm doing air quotes in front of my microphone, misinformation about the LA Times Times um, uh, involvement. Um, they said that there was a story uh, in January 2019, including an excerpt from a, mem- a memo to the Pac-12 from their PR agency, which stated incorrectly that there was a partnership. And the story that was published repeated that misinformation. So they are totally denying um, that there was a, I guess, money exchange. They are saying that the conversations did happen, that there was a proposal, but it was not approved by the Times management. And that uh, given the potential for a perceived conflict of interest, the Times generated no revenue. So there's they're saying so, you know, the Oregonian and uh, and Canzano is saying, listen, I've got information, inside information. And this is including uh, an email saying that this is what went down. Right. That um, that they hired a a staff member uh, to be the new uh, liaison. In fact, uh, that staff member, um, what's his name? Uh, Uh, Hold on a second. I'm trying to think here. Um, uh, Blake Richardson. They hired a reporter, intern Blake Richardson, to gain more access within the Pac-12 and so on and so forth. So first, let's just talk about the LA Times uh, denying their involvement and denying that they accepted payment. They do acknowledge that there was an initial conversation, but the Times management uh, turned it down. Well, I think that would just take one check what you know you can money can be followed money can be followed okay and again i'm back to i think where there's smoke there's fire and i don't know what the orgonian's agenda was on on this piece except for to put out there the facts of the story right they had apparently they have no other agenda uh because really the orgonian isn't going to compete with with readership with the LA times just by the fact that it's in California and Oregon. But I really think that, that it would not, it doesn't surprise me that any of this went on. And if you have a conversation about it and that's all they're saying happened, that the LA times is saying, yes, there was a conversation. 
then all we have to do is go back to the Pac-12. And somebody has resigned, Some a higher-up has resigned recently, like last week, as in yesterday. And I just, I don't know, it, it really bothers me. It really bothers me when I ask my friend who had been at the LA Times but not in the sports department. Um, she said that it would not have surprised her. She's no longer with the LA Times. It would not have surprised her that not only the conversation went down, but that it happened. So, and that's not a fact. That's just from someone that was working at the LA Times when this allegedly occurred. Yeah, I would concur with, with Dory saying there. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that that's the biggest issue for me, too, is like, you know, even if, you know, they can say that there's no check was shown, like Dory says, you can follow the money. If there was no check, but there's a conversation about it, that, that alone in itself, you know, bothers me personally. And, uh, you know, like, you know, exactly what Dory was saying. We really, what is the Oregonians, you know, why would they even start this argument? I would think a lot of it would be that if they're trying to be in, uh, in have integrity in, as journalists, that why would the LA Times be the ones that was picked, picked and choose other than the location being locale to where, you know, the Southern Cal schools, uh, why were they chosen to be the school that, or the, the program that was going to do all the work for the Pac-12? Again, I just think it's just the bigger question to the Pac-12 is, are you are you relevant? Are you irrelevant? Um, is your product being shown out there? Are you doing a better job? Could you do a, being, doing a better job marketing your, your product? And I, I don't think they do. And I think that they're, that's, their, that's their negative that they have right now. And uh, they don't, they're not seen when they need, need to be seen, that's for sure. We both know that. So, I mean, we all know that. I mean, that's the frustration with the Pac-12 right now, that you don't get to see well, the 100,000, you know, yeah. Sorry, Scott, but $100,000 is a lot less than trying to uh, change the television contract, right? Oh, yeah. If oh, you're yeah. looking for coverage, $100,000, much less than the millions it would take to renegotiate a television contract. So that's another that's another piece of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And, you know, to follow up with that, right. I mean, you know, we've seen it the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, especially uh, just just recently in, in 2019, um, you know, they, you know, you, you saw the articles and you saw the information that was coming out about uh, the empty stadiums, the lack of TV coverage, the lack of interest in the Pac-12 and their teams. Um, so just, you know, adding to that, um lack of people that are interested in the Pac-12 it's just there's just been a lot of I guess a lot of logs on this fire and and now they're talking about what's been happening with the LA Times and a, another thing was with the Players Tri- uh, Tribune um, you know the Players Tribune was founded by Derek Jeter in 2014 um, it's a uh, it's information it's media focused on first person stories by athletes right it's, it's for them to have a hand in telling their own story and the LA Times and the Pac-12 sought to use the Players' Tribune to increase conference coverage on a national scale. And they're saying that there were at least two first-person pieces written by the Pac-12 athletes for the Tribune that was not written by the athletes themselves. In fact, the athletes got paid help from a St. Louis-based public relations firm, Fleischman Hilliard. 
So besides the whole L.A. Times, now you have this uh, this uh, public relations, Fleischman Hillard, involved with these stories that are supposed to be told by their student athletes, but is actually not, is written by other people. Wow. Well, and that could be pervasive everywhere, right? I mean, we're focused on the Pac-12 right now, and and that's that's an interesting fact. That that is that is an interesting fact. When we get back to, as you mentioned, Will, the empty stadiums and and half-filled stadiums in some of these Pac-12 school at some of these Pac-12 schools, I will just tell you that the Pac-12 championship, when they decided to have that in in San Jose right at Levi stadium. Yep. That was a selfish choice by the PAC 12 network and the PAC 12 commissioner, because I will tell you, I have been to that PAC 12 championship three years. And I will tell you every single time it is very disappointing. It's very disappointing. It, it, it doesn't have a college feel to it. doesn't have any of those feels to it. Once they did, once Levi stadium was finished, it went to Levi Stadium. Well, that's up for the change. And this year, finally, back to the way it should have been, and that is it will be a home-hosted Pac-12 championship should we get there. Should we get through a season, then should we get there? And I think this is one of those silver linings that's happened because of COVID, and I hope it stays because the, it, it should be a home team college atmosphere to pack the stadium at least to another way to generate interest into the Pac-12 championship game, which the other top five or power five conferences, theirs are packed. Their stadiums are packed for their championship game. The Pac-12 is not. So this might be a way to turn it around. Scott? Yeah, I, I'm just in concurrence with that whole thing. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think, you know, with Dory, we did, we talked about it before about, you know, like doing the playoff system, you know, then changing from bowl to bowl and moving it. And well, that's hard on people, you know, financially to, you know, come up with money to for hotels and in and, and, and airplane fare and all that stuff like that. So when I think about, you know, the home field, that's, you know, I, I I'm, I'm in agreement. I mean, half of the crowd could be from the home area and it can make the place look full. I mean, it's embarrassing when you put the Pac-12 yeah. game on a Friday night and there's barely anybody in the bottom section for the championship game. And, uh, you know, you go to the, you know, we all know, you know, I mean, even the American Football Conference has a better, you know, stadium-looking thing, and they're, the, you know, they're outside of the Power Five. So, when, yeah. you know, when you see a Southeast Conference, you know, you know, championship game and everybody's there, and there's another 50,000 sitting outside the stadium, you know, waiting to cheer after the game. So uh, it, again, it's 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 the perception and the, and the you know and they're making it a better product, making it better, easier for the fans and things like that. I, I'm in, in you know in a better direction. That's the most important thing to me. That that's uh, and if we can make that happen and come out of COVID, then I, I'm agreement with that. What what has to happen in in order for them to be to for there to be changes and maybe Larry Scott leaving is it something as simple as more information coming out like this or are they are they just waiting uh, till twenty twenty four and I don't know if that changes because of COVID when there's supposed to be a new TV uh, deal done yeah I mean originally that that was kind of the some of the expectations to kind of wait till you get to twenty twenty four and and try to put together a new t- uh, TV deal. I think you get started on it now. I think you get Larry Scott out. 
somebody else in. I, I don't even know who should come in, but it needs to be somebody that is more versed in in communications and broadcasting. Uh, you know, Larry Scott had the sports side of it really down, handled well, but sports is a business. Sports at this level is a business. So it needs to be somebody from, I would say, somebody from a, from a national level of broadcasting, somebody from maybe from a cable, maybe from. Uh, Does the Pac-12 uh, network need to sell itself? Because uh, obviously the agreement that they made, they didn't work uh, in, conjun- in conjunction with ESPN and Fox. And because of that, uh, in the last seven years, the Pac-12 has been in less than 18 million homes in the country compared to SEC and Big Ten and everything else. I mean, they're at half the amount of viewership. So should they sell the Pac-12 network and kind of get on board so the ESPN or Fox or, or however Whatever the parameters are, I'm not trying to 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 you know bring that part of it and try to negotiate a deal for them. But that might be a way to get more eyes on the Pac-12, get more money and revenue, and try to bring back the Pac-12 uh, back into the eyes of more viewerships across the United States. I think yeah, that's they, a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I think they they have to do something like that. I mean, they however they the first model they thought. I mean, I don't know. If, they had that bravado attitude that they thought they could be just Texas and just to create their own, their own, you know, network. And they were going to just go off and running. Um, I'm not sure if that was the, you know, initial thought, but um, to where they are today, they're just irrelevant. And I I know I keep pounding on that word, but I mean, it just really is the truth. I mean, it's, if you think about time-wise, just everything starts back East at noon, it's nine o'clock our time. Well, we're not, I mean, for us to have nine o'clock games, I'm not too fired up to go in for a tailgate at four in the morning. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's an issue that in, in and with itself, they have to get that three o'clock, three o'clock, but if we, you know, West time, noon time back East, you know, to, to even get themselves in the, in the public eye. But if, but, and, and, but here's the, if, if the television contract doesn't change before 2024, then everything we've discussed becomes irrelevant. So oh, yeah. I think that totally. change needs to happen. That change needs to happen now. It absolutely oh, yeah. needs to happen now. In order to be present, be relevant, and and show that you know we have a pretty good product that we're putting out there, and again, all of this through COVID, all of this through COVID, maybe that's another silver lining. Larry, time to go, dude. Get yeah. somebody else in there. But who makes that call, right? That has to come from the athletic directors and the presidents of the universities, because last time I checked, they're the ones that pay his his salary. Yeah. They, and they're the ones that have to get rid of him. And they have a bigger, they have more things on their plate right now than trying to replace Larry Scott. And, and that's, that's, that's a, that's a big point there. And who knows, even if you try to do everything that we're talking about right now, you know, it's almost kind of you're, you're selling or selling low or, or for ESPN and Fox, maybe they're buying low at this point because they're probably not going to get what they thought they could get. Um, especially during these times, because, to be honest with you, you know, these networks are losing money, right? To a certain extent, they're losing money. And especially if they don't have college football, and we're going to get into that in a minute, if they don't have college football in the fall, and they keep losing revenue like that, you know, it's going to be hard for the Pac-12 network to say, okay, come and get me, we've changed our stance. So this might be a situation where they they might be stuck with their product, 
until 2024 or maybe even longer if things don't change rapidly or if it takes a long time for uh, things to kind of get back to the way it used to be? Well, if the contract expires in 2024, it won't go past that. You know, something, something will happen. Either, I mean, something has to happen, right? Because once the contract expires, then what? So you don't want it to expire. It's like when you're negotiating with a player when they have one more, when they have one more uh, season left on their contract. You start the negotiating a season before, a year before they are in their last season. If you want to keep that player. Right. So the same thing would go for broadcasting. The same thing would go for, for this, 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 uh, for the PAC 12 and somebody wanting out there and maybe somebody gets a good deal on it because I think the PAC 12 has a great product. It has not been put out there as a great product because of when the games air, the airing time of these games almost says, okay, we know we're not the best power five conference out there and taking that stance. That's what it feels like from the outside looking in to say, you know what? You're not fighting for those times. You're not, you're not, you didn't negotiate to get some of those prime time broadcasting times, man, you, then you're not, then you don't think you're putting a great product out there. So it, it has to, it has to change. And somebody needs to get behind this and say, you know what? There is some great football being played in the PAC 12. It's a great product. We need more people to see this product and take that positive side to it versus, okay, we'll just get you in whenever we can and we'll get you a slot. And every once in a while, we'll get you into a primetime slot. But, you know, that's only going to be with your non-conference games when you schedule it with another Power 5 conference that's in the top 10 in the country. Yeah. I know, I know for, uh, I think I read yesterday, there's only uh, of the 12 Pac-12 presidents only two of them were the ones that hired Larry, you know, Larry Scott. So I think at this point, Good. Uh, I think you would have the power with those guys to say, hey, you know, we've looked, we've analyzed it, we've looked around the country, we've looked at Southeast Conference, we've looked at the Big Ten, Big 12, and what they're doing in ACC, and, and we just, we just, we have to make a move. And I think, you know, like, you know, what Dory was saying too, is you have a, you know, at this point, you, you better start negotiating to 2024, because we all know that one thing about the Southeast Conference, those guys, they are in there. And they are trying to push, push their chest around all the time. I mean, they were the last ones to come to the party and decided to just go to conference-only schedule this year because they thought they could get away with just doing the non-conference and who they are and that, you know, that everybody will just come to the stadiums and they'll just pack them in. So they're going to continue to always be the, the, the big guy on the street and try to put, put the, their product out there all the time. So I think it's really imperative that they, they, they make that move on the top and uh, again, I'm not sure if it's the ESPN person or whoever that person is, but they've got to have something that's really dynamic, can really move some stuff, and has some some real connections and some, some strings, and, and can and can make some moves to, to put the Pac-12 where they need to be. And I, I again, I'm not here to say that the the, the Pac-12 doesn't have good product because I do think they they're you know they're, we've shown it in football we can be good, and in, the, in basketball you know you know the bigger dance they've always performed well and have you know Pac-12's always done well and and has good product so they, they need to get their product out there to to the rest of the country to be able to see so i'm in concurrence that they need to make the move personally you, you know it's funny about all this and and i'm i'm using that word uh, loosely um you know we we talk about football and we talk about basketball uh about the 
the lack of notoriety or the lack of platform that they should be on because the product is great. But, you know, I, I kind of think of it on a smaller scale and not to minimize the sport. But last year, right, the, the, the world was taken by storm, you know, with a perfect 10 from uh, Caitlin Ohashi, right, from uh, UCLA. And that's a perfect example that if it was on ESPN or Fox, when her performances came out, when her routines came out, it would have been it or should have been on, you know, prime time or, or for people to view because everybody was tweeting about her. She, you know, she had all the followers and LeBron James and everybody, all the professional athletes were wowed by the performances that she was doing. And unless you had Pac-12 Network, you couldn't see any of it. And she, you know, and it was just, it was just a shame. And that is the perfect example besides the power sports, the football, the basketballs that, that you have a national icon and she took the world by storm overnight and no one could see her unless you had the Pac-12. And, and that is just a shame that such a young talent, a young superstar talent and that UCLA uh, national championship team, no one saw unless you had the Pac-12. Well, the Pac-12 is the champ, the conference of champions, not just because it's Bill Walton's cult or call all the time, <laughs> right? Okay, but statistically, from from every sport out there, all sports, the Pac-12 really legitimately is the conference of champions. But if nobody now sees it, nobody it cares, right? Act like it. But get it out there and act like it. When they like, they have all those points. When they accumulate points based on the championships, uh, team and individual, and, and they tally up all the points, the Pac-12, conference to conference, the Pac-12 hands down wins it every time. Okay? Yep. There is a reason. Yeah, but the like product, they say, out of sight is out of mind. And if you don't have sight on your product, nobody cares. So that, that's why I was referring I, I, to Ohashi, I, I, this incredible you. talent. Yeah, and, and, a, and less than half the people had a chance to see her. And it, it's just a shame. So they need to, and, uh, the conversation a, we're having, they need to get on board and fix all of this. And it's a great, that's a great example, Will. That's what I was trying to, that I'm supporting that. That's a fantastic example. Fantastic example. So we're talking about the, four, the conference of champions is there. The the four yeah. power five conferences finally uh, decided to go conference only games, um, and and when, when was the SEC, SEC decided that that was uh, that was just I, was it yesterday or two days ago? Two days SEC ago, I believe. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that means that they're in. So that has the only schedule yet to be released is the Big Ten, and they were the first ones to say we're going conference only. Yeah. Scott, what, yeah. what's your thoughts on uh, the conference-only games? Um, was this something that was needed? Is just another way to try to save the sport in the fall? And uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's you know, I mean, it's the only solution that they have out there right now to be able to be able to get away with a season. To be quite frank and honest with you, and it's also um, you know, I know for Penn State, they they were they've got Illinois, so they were happy with their their additional extra game that they're going to get um, in 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 their slot. But you know, I, in order for it to happen, they had to go to the, this model. And uh, you know, we there's always been the argument that you know should we play less of the cupcake games and play more just conference games. And uh, you know, so you know, 
will will that argument come out of this whole thing? Will will eventually it be that it be that situation? Um, I'm always think that it's important to play, play your conference, you know, as many conference games as you can. Um, but I also know the economics of it. You know, I, I listened to a podcast a couple of days ago. The ramifications of the Big Sky teams not playing uh, the Pac-12 games and getting that money is going to be huge. I mean, you're talking about Northern Arizona, who is going to play Arizona and Arizona State. That's about 1.5 million bucks they're not going to have in their coffers. Well, yeah, that's and Chris Ball. Yeah, Chris Ball being the head coach there. That's another connector to the to the <laughs> uh, coaching tree that we talk about occasionally. Um, but the other part really is that those those pack tw- or those games for Big Sky Conference and even for smaller conference or smaller teams like Utah State. Utah State not coming to Washington this year. huge impact in their entire athletic department budget, not just football. Because remember, these are, when they play these games, it goes to the athletic department. It doesn't go to the specific sport copper, right? So huge impact, huge impact for, for Utah state. And man, I'd hate to see that happen because of all the student athletes and all the young people, it will affect, it will. So I like having more playing one more Pac-12 or in-conference opponent, right? So Washington added UCLA to their schedule as the extra. And, you know, I think that you should play as many within your conference as possible. I really do. Um, I know some people say, well, then you've got teams beaten up on each other. Well, if they're good teams, then they're good games, and it's a good product to put on the field. Yeah. When was the last time uh, UW didn't play uh, Washington State the last game of the year? Does anyone know know that? Yes, that was um, the year of 9-11. The Cal game got pushed and was after Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah, That's true. Yeah, U- USC will be oh. the last game for UW this year, uh, week 11 yep. on December 5th. Um, so that, that I saw that was interesting and I wanted to, uh, ask that question. Yeah, that was, um, it was nine eleven. So, uh, the Huskies start off with Stanford. So 2001, yeah. Kick off the season week one yeah. on uh, September 26th, uh, right out of the gate, they play the Cardinals of Stanford and we'll see if we have any football, uh, <laughs> this season, uh, all the bye weeks are week four through six, um, for these teams. And then they'll be off and running if things, I don't know, stay status quo. Hey, I, I don't even know what status check, quo is. <laughs> hey, you guys check this out. I was under the, it was my understanding that when they came out with this new schedule, there would be no Friday games. Guess what? There are Friday night games. Yeah. I think there they, they realize no Friday night games. Yeah. I think that unfortunately there's a contract, a TV contract obligation. Well, I think a little bit of that, but I also think, well, what the heck? I mean, if you, I, I, you know, I think all things go out the door. I mean, obviously high school football in our yep. state is not going to go. That's a big on point. Friday nights. It's on California. So, you know, what the heck? I mean, might as well put some Friday night games on and take advantage of it. Um, I think that that's a little bit of it, but I do, you know, agree with Dory that probably is some 
financial obligations through the TV, you know, you know, contracts that they've had. But boy, uh, yeah, both good points. And yeah, yeah, and and that's if we get that far. Yeah, we we've not really yet discussed. I mean, there there are no gap weeks really. I mean, they put the three weeks where teams have buys. One, two, three. So week four, week five, week six is when all the buy games will occur. And that was intentional. And, and you have an open week on week 12. So I think, I think they're leaving that week open just in case they, they have are. to make up a game. So it's almost kind of like having two bye weeks in this season. Um, I don't think you could do more than that, but you know, at least they have they have an extra week there just in case all hell breaks loose. But to be honest with you, I, I don't think it all matters because as we're seeing with baseball, I, I, I they're trying either. to play 60 games. If, if they get that far, you're going to have teams that play 50, 54, 48. It's not going to matter. So if you get a schedule here where uh, you get the you know the Huskies to pl- to play seven or eight games and that's all they could do, then it, it is what it is. It, mm-hmm. I just think it's one of yeah. those 2020s, you know, it's a, no rules. So it's, they just trying to yeah. put something together and, uh, and roll with it as, as long as they can. And once it goes off the tracks, it goes off the tracks because if a team, listen, a team catches COVID, they're done. I, I, they're yeah. absolutely yeah. done. And I don't care about a bye week. You're not going to have enough time to recover no. because it takes weeks for that to happen. And we have no idea what the ramifications are going to be if one kid is sick and has a little bit of symptoms or another kid is sick and he has symptoms for eight weeks. And God forbid any of them end up in ICU. And then that's the whole trouble and well, that's the whole other conversation of why we even bothering doing this. Right. So two points on two, – two pieces on what you just said, Will. First up, the Pac-12 and NCAA football doesn't have anything in place about what is the threshold for how many COVID cases and your team is shut down or your program is shut down. There, there are no numbers out there, right? So that piece is still being discussed. And to me, there kind of just needs to be a zero tolerance policy. Okay, if you if you contract it, if you have COVID, I'm a player and I have COVID. Contact tracing number one, right? And 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 then how how does that impact whether or not you play next week? How does that impact the team that you're supposed to play? So we will see what happened in baseball. It will happen in college football. It absolutely will happen for college football and the pros. Start, the NFL starts before the college does. So I don't know how much of an impact what happens in the NFL or Major League Baseball, but the NCAA and every president and athletic director needs to be taking a look at what's going on out there and see how they got to start at home first. What are we going to do? If the NCAA hasn't made any kind of guidelines and parameters, we need to do it for ourselves. Scott, what do you think yep. the budget's going to be for these teams, and where's that money coming from if you're going to do COVID testing? And what do you think the, the COVID testing is? Every day, once a week, once every two weeks? You know, where, where does that money come from? Where does the extra money come from for cleaning these facilities, so on and so forth? How, how are these universities going to pull off all of this extra that they need to do if they're going to attempt this? And, you know, where do they draw the line as far as... Um, uh, the expenses. 
Well, I, you know, well, we've talked about it before on the show. I mean, uh, we've already, you know, talked about the NFL's, you know, b- number is 75 million. Yeah. And we understand their coffers are deep and deep. I, I mean, again, I don't know where the colleges are going to get it from. I do know from everyday te- testing at Penn State to what, um, you know, Central Washington can, could be able to pull off, let alone a high school could pull off. I don't know where that, that number is. And really, really more importantly about even if you do get a test, how fast is that test coming back? And that's really the key to the whole thing. I mean, if it's a week long and you've had it and you've already exposed everybody in your program, then you're, you're, you're done. You're, you're, you're you know, that ship has failed. So my, my, my issue is how fast can you get it done? But that comes at a cost. I mean, it's, it's, we're, I just don't know how these, these, any of these people are able to do it. I mean, I, I think about it from my perspective and I can't even imagine like for a person like Dory who, who let's be honest, has a, a sport that is a lot of social distancing, i.e. tennis. Um, but as a high school coach, how do you make sure the water bottles are clean and that they're going into locker rooms are clean and that they're, you know, everything they're doing is proper and kosher and the, and the tennis courts are being taken care of. And the other team is doing what they're needed to do to make sure it's all done. And I mean, I, I just don't, but those, there are so many more questions to me than there are answers and let alone the cost to be able to to be able to run this effectively and do it right. I just don't see how it's going to get done. I mean, I just don't. I just uh, I, I get highly, highly concerned by it. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately for what I really, you know, dear to my heart watching. I mean, I've seen these AU basketball tournaments going on right now and a seven on seven football tournaments and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask who's cleaning everything there, who's making sure everything's kosher and clean, because if you're not, you're just creating more to the problem. And uh, so to answer your question, well, I, I don't know who's paying for it. Um, you know, some of these programs and schools have the deep, deep money and, and, and can afford it, but most of them don't. And, you know, to Dory's point, we were made earlier was, you know, Utah State doesn't come and that's $750,000 check they don't get. Can they, can they afford to keep the place clean and do the things they need to do? It's a big question. It's a really big question. Well, a lot of the guidelines that have come out for the de- from the WIAA that, that, that um, we've seen, a lot of guidelines and pieces but here's what i will tell you in none of the guidelines is there anything about proof of a test how frequently they test in order to participate in a sport and i've asked the ad's what's happening with that well there's this there's the, the the communication piece from a coaching standpoint for high school, just for high school, is you go to your AD, the AD goes to the district AD, the district AD then go, takes the question to the WIAA. I was like, seriously? You guys, this is a really simple question that should have been at the forefront of before we tell you which season the sport will be played in, these are the criteria it even before we can even have a season. So tennis, like you said, tennis and golf can both participate competitively in the state of Washington when we are in phase two. Both yeah. of them can and be safe. But I give the, the, the parents a form to fill out about have you been tested? Have you had symptoms? Have you, have you traveled across state lines? And again, relying on people to make sure they're doing what's right, they check the boxes. And if any of those were checked, yes, 
then they are not able to come to the open court sessions we're having. They won't be able to come to practice. They will have to 14 days. Uh, but I'm not being asked to check to see if the test was, maybe it was a negative, but it was a false negative or positive, whatever. I, I don't know who that's even going through right now. And those questions I posed to our AD, and, and there still are no answers. And he goes, well, that's not really our decision. And I said, then whose decision is it? Because then that means if, if you're saying, well, that's not really our decision, I said, okay, so who at the WIAA then do I need to talk to? Because I'm not going to be that coach that, that tells the parent, I'm sorry, we have to shut everything down because there was a COVID test positive and nobody knew about it. So, right? Dory, what's going to so happen with you? Hasn't happened. Yeah. Are, are they going to give you, a, are you going to have a thermometer? <laughs> are you going to take everyone's temperature? Are you going to have the long yeah. Q-tip and learn to administer the COVID test yourself and have like a little sample kit right there on the sideline? Like, this is craziness that this is even happening. There's so, like, you know, like Scott was alluding to, there's so many more questions and answers. And the problem is, this yeah. is not something that we're talking about in March and April. We're now... Now we're up against it. Now it's it's go right. time, you know. And if if right. baseball is having trouble uh, trying to keep it together, let alone um, you know uh, high school or colleges, you know, I, I don't know how this happens. And I'm I'm scared for two things because they've already said that uh, for college that once you've tested uh, once for it. You don't have to be tested for another three months unless you show symptoms and whatever that means, because as if we know anything about COVID, there's 85 different symptoms. Right. So they're saying so that's already given them an out. But are, are you going to be mandated to sign have these kids sign waivers? You know, like I think what's it's going, going to, to come happen? down to parents. I think it's going to come down to parents opting their kids out. That's what I think is going to happen. But if they play, are they are they going to are they going to sign waivers to avoid them getting sued? You know that that that's that's what's going to happen. Are you are you going to get a form before your season starts saying, "Hey, you know, every kid needs to sign this form," and that's pretty much saying that you you know, uh, you know, you're taking it upon your own hands, and if you get sick, that's on you, and we're not we're not liable. Well, I have friends who have. a son on the Wisconsin football team. And Wisconsin has had, what, 20, over 20 positive tests just for the football team alone, okay? The, the University of Washington has had six out of 208 total athletes. And they're not saying whether or not, they, the University of Washington is not saying whether or not those are football players or other athletes that have come in, right? But, you guys, that number is really low. That number is really low. I don't know how frequently they're being tested. Uh, that information w- w- wasn't available or in the article. But I will just tell you that the friends of mine that have a son at Wisconsin on the team are highly concerned, highly concerned, that whatever protocols needed to be put in place uh, weren't. The other part is they're grateful that these that the testing has continued and the protocol of what happens when a kid has been tested and how they are uh, isolating and quarantining them. So, you know, it, again, so many different moving pieces and parts, so many variables. 
and not enough answers. Concur to that. Concur to that. That's, that's you know, that's, and, and here's the best part, and, and this is more of a side little joke with Dory. I know you can appreciate what I'm about to say to you. You know, your stipend went up a lot too, right? With all this extra responsibility and all the things <laughs> that you have, right? I mean, you, I mean, you got to be at least making, you know, six figures now. I mean, you got to I mean, get all this on your door. I mean, you know, I mean, oh. you know, that's the well, best the part about the that, whole thing. Yeah, the fact that we didn't get paid for last season after, oh, once it was shut down, High school oh coaches didn't get paid for spring sports. Mm-hmm. We did not get paid for spring sports. And um, as you know, as, as you guys both know, okay, and, and I love coaching tennis. I love it. I love my team. Um, it's not a seasonal coaching job. It's year-round. Yeah. I'm yeah. still doing things now that I'm glad I have the time to do, but it's still now. So, uh, yeah, that's stipend. Yeah, it went to zero really fast. <laughs> it went to zero so quick, and the district deemed it would have been misappropriation of funds to pay coaches who weren't coaching. Hmm. I said, who do I need to talk to? But yeah. who do I need to talk to to let them know that there are there are people being paid in the school district that didn't teach last year or weren't doing their administrative job. Okay. They will pay. Yep. And I yep. know exactly who they are. And yet you're going to tell me that's not misappropriation of funds. Come on. Yeah. 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 So with all that said, uh, I will tell you that uh, the WIAA has opened up a, a um, out of season opportunity for all sports that are not participating in season one. And for Seattle Public Schools, the only sport that's happening in season one is golf. Because Seattle Public Schools, um, the the Metro 3A conference doesn't have tennis in the fall. So we will now definitely be in season four. But they've opened up, this is so cool, a non-competitive but uh, practice opportunity. Okay, out of season practice opportunities. First time that this has happened, and that goes from September 28th to November 4th. Hmm. So for sports, yeah. So that's new, right? That's new. And um, now football won't be able to utilize it because they. I can't remember why they can't use it. I should. I should have remembered why they can't use it. Um, oh, because they're limited to 20 practices, right? Yes. And so uh, that, and, and they get an extra week for their season um, for, for uh, preparing, right? So for tennis, yeah. we get one week. We get one week of practices before we can have competitive matches. For football, it's two. So that's the other reason. Uh, so anyway, I thought, well, cool. Thank you for making that, that happen for us. And especially for a spring sport that didn't have their season, this gives us an opportunity to get our players together and coaches can be there. Okay. Coaches can be there. It's an out of season practice. Uh, it's not official. It would be like OTAs. It's not official, but gotcha. it would be great to have you guys there. Yeah. So cool. That's a positive. Yep. 
Hockey and the NBA is back. These are two sports that uh, lived in the quote unquote bubble. Um, hockey was smart, you know, and people could take this yep. however they want to take it, but they got the hell out of Dodge, which meant that they left the United States and they, uh, they took all their teams and went up to Canada and um, they decided to go right into these round robin playoffs. They didn't have any, you know, warm up games or anything like that. They did a little bit of a preseason uh, a week before just to get these guys on the ice and to run around and hit. Um, they've been stashed away in a hotel and all of the teams are playing at two locations in Canada. Anyway, today was the first day for hockey to come back, and it looked like hockey. Right. You know, there was a lot of hitting. There was some blood. There was some punching. Uh, people got hit in the face. <laughs> they, they went back to the locker room. They got some stitches. Uh, one guy got smashed up against the wall, and he had to be helped off the ice. So I'm pretty sure he's getting his going through his concussion protocol. So they started out, and there was probably a lot of testosterone in those hotels and a lot of aggression, especially being away from their wives and girls friends or boyfriends depending what your preference is and uh they took it out on the ice they're going five games today and it just continues uh every day and hockey is just kind of getting in and getting out we're starting the playoffs we're keeping these guys isolated and we're hoping uh for no covid cases and as of now uh it's been running smoothly same thing with the nba in orlando they they've started up their season. I believe it was Thursday that they started and they're trying to go through, although their season will be a little bit longer. So we're seeing these two sports trying to contain COVID by keeping these guys in a bubble and getting them to play their games and pretty much relegating them to take out and stand inside where you have baseball that is not doing that. And- they have yeah. tons of trouble. I believe they're up to 18 cases in Miami. Um, yeah. the St. Louis now has cases. Uh, games are being canceled uh, left and right. We have no idea what the NFL is going to do because as of now, I would assume that they're not doing anything like the bubble. They're going to kind of do it like the way Major League Baseball is. Um mm-hmm. We're seeing two different ways of doing this if they're trying to get through this season. Um what, what, what are your prefaces and what are your thoughts on the two different ways? Well, first of all, I didn't watch the hockey, but is anybody playing with a mask on or a, or a neck gaiter to use as a mask? No, they just have, they just have the, they just have the shields across their eyes. Um, no, they're not. Because, you know, most of these guys okay. have been all together anyway um, in these hotels. Right. Right. Well, what I noticed with baseball is that after the Marlins, prior to the Marlins outbreak, not very many players were wearing neck gaiters or masks um, during during the game, okay? And about half the dugouts were using them uh, when they were just in the dugout, right? Not on the field. I have noticed a huge change since Marlins outbreak with a couple of the teams that, that, um, that, that I've been watching. And that is every player has a neck gaiter on and some of them are wearing them. Uh, uh, and then they wear, they're wearing them in the out when they're in the outfield and they're wearing them when they are on base. 
And so there's been an uptick in people saying, okay, man, this is for real. The other piece of baseball is that uh, when there are rainouts, not rainouts, but rain delays, the players are saying, look, we're not so, there isn't enough space to social distance. And I was like, well, then put a mask on. Like, that's a really simple opportunity for you to step up and put a mask on. If you can't physical distance during a rain delay, put a mask on, right? So I think they're starting to take it serious. I really do. Yeah, I would argue that, you know, obviously, I, I you know, it's simple, it's simple to be, play the devil's advocate when, I'm, when I've already seen the models, but obviously what hockey's doing is probably the best model. Get in, get out, be done, and, and move on, and, uh, you know, quote-unquote, have your season. Um, you know, I, I mean, basketball so far has done well, but, if you know, Lou Williams wants to keep going out and getting his nuggets. Um, Lou will. You know, his wings, and his wings, or wherever he wants to go. Those are special uh, kind of wings. have issues. Yeah, they, we'll, leave, we'll leave those wings they, alone. They, they got a nice, but, nice rub on them. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> but my point is, you know. Y'all are bad. <laughs> it's just going to have to be. I mean, until that until that whole thing starts unraveling, then you know, obviously, maybe that is the model. I mean, the herd mentality. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I just don't know. Can I mean, you do a football season in a bubble? Let, let's simplify the question. Is there any way to go seventeen no. weeks, not including playoffs, and maybe going uh, four or five um, locations? And then just breaking them off toward locations, uh, the east, you know, the west, uh, the central, the Pacific, you know, the the northwest, you know, and and putting those teams and having them play schedules. And and, and is there a way instead of having all you, of the teams, is there a way to have a somewhat of a bubble instead of just kind of traveling in and out, in and out, in and out? Because obviously Canada was like, no, you're not doing that. They, they said no to their Toronto. They pretty much kicked out Toronto Blue Jays, said, if you guys want to go play, then, you know, you're displaced go and go, go figure it out. Here. But you can't, we can't have you guys, you know, hanging out, going to places um, in the United States and then coming back home and getting us, uh, getting us sick. Uh, no, thank you. Is there a way that football can be creative and have some of the freedom and some of the bubble in order to have a season that can coexist? I think only if you were to change uh, conferences, right? Because, I mean, then you have AFC and NFC West, then that would be who you play against if, if, this, is, if, if this is the way we want to do it, right? And putting everybody, I mean, I, I don't know. There was talk to have to have uh, the West Coast teams, all the West teams, AFC and NFC, go to Vegas. I'm not sure that would have been a great idea, but it would have been <laughs> <laughs> putting everybody in a quote-unquote type of bubble and <laughs> having the games there, right? But as we all know, man, if guys want to get out and do what they think they need to do, um, you know, the, the McCarty twins, one of them tweeted, he just said, look, guys, guys are not even close to living their lives the right way. And now they're coming into camp and now they're coming. Right. He said, guys, I know and they're posting on social media, everything they're doing. And none of it is, is COVID guidelines, not any of it. 
He said, and now they're going to come to camp. Well, maybe that's why eight New England Patriots had said, yeah, I'm often out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Nate, Nate Soldier from the Giants because he's got a kid who has cancer. I mean, yeah. I, and, I, and he, I mean, I and totally he re- he's it. recovering from cancer himself. In fact, uh, as of today. How about Connor? Yeah. How uh, about the guy from the Steelers? Right. See yep. that? See that's interesting to see if he's going to play because obviously his uh, his story is well documented. Franklin, as a as a, prime, as a prime example, I mean he's got a daughter who has sickle cell, so his family's not coming to state college for the till February at least. Um, but you know, you know, locally here we have we you know I myself is a type one diabetic, but Jordan Morris is a type one diabetic. Um, you know, playing soccer right now. Um, so there's a lot of people with underlying, you know, conditions and, you know, even you know, trickle it down to high school football, you know, lower level, you know, peewee football. Have you done that, that background check with everybody? Do you know about everybody's underlying conditions and how are you addressing those issues? But, uh, you know, that, you know, professionals, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a game, it's a dollar decision. Uh, the young man who, you know, had two pregnancies and couldn't get through with him and is the wide receiver place for the Eagles. You know he's not he's not playing this year because of that reason because he doesn't want to have a chance of losing. He's lost four kids. He had two sets of triplets, two sets of twins that he lost through pregnancy. So um, they finally had their you know child recently. So I get it. I mean, as an under, person with underlying conditions, I have to stay low and keep myself down. So that's a question that you know a lot of people aren't really really thinking about when they when they talk about they talk about general population. Everybody's good. We're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. If you have that underlying condition, which a lot of people do, and we don't always necessarily, you can't see it from the outside, uh, are we asking those questions? Are we asking those questions? And the player you're talking about, and the player you're talking about is uh, Marquise Goodwin. He was also known yes. as a wide receiver for uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, as of now, and probably more since uh, we started the show, there's been 37 players at the NFL. Um, and Dory mentioned mm-hmm. there's uh, eight or, or seven. I'm not sure seven or eight New England players. I mean, well-known players: the Patrick Chungs, uh, Dante Hightowers. Uh, today uh, for the New York Jets, uh, C.J. Mosley. Um, arguably, there's uh, their best defensive player now that Jamal Adams has been traded to the to the Seahawks. Uh, he opted out. Uh, Devin Funches, the wide receiver, and uh, Super Bowl running back uh, Damian Williams is going to sit out also uh, for Kansas City. And I would assume in the next month or before they get to training camp, or, or not even who knows throughout the, the entire season, I, I think we're going to have guys to say goodbye, including um, on the baseball side. Lorenzo Cain mentioned that he is stepping away, and he said exactly uh, the point that Dory was talking about. He mentioned it today, saying, "I'm out. Guys are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm out of here." Yeah. And he is their starting big, uh, big named uh, player center fielder for the Brewers and he said I'm out uh, this ain't this is not working yeah. out I'm done and he stepped away and he has a 33 million dollar contract um, again he's a four-time all-star and and a, a guy that had the opportunity to make his money and for some of these players that's been part of their decision-making process right and it is can I afford to give up the money well the big league guys, especially baseball, they've been making double-digit millions for a while, and some of them can. Some of them absolutely can. But the NFL players, a lot of them, they're 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 opting out, right? 
if they choose to opt out and and they are a, a they they are considered dangerous or considered high risk for COVID, they can earn three hundred and fifty thousand dollars if they choose to opt out of the season. Now out of their contract, they, they will get front loaded three fifty yeah. and if you just make the decision to walk it away is a COVID decision. And if you decide yeah. to make a decision be like, now nah, I'm out, you could get up you'll get a hundred and fifty out of your contract and then uh, your contract just kind of gets bounced to the next year. And so if you're going to become right, a free agent in 2022, you'll be a free agent in 2023 instead. Right. Yes. And the other part of that is that if you're opting out for COVID reasons, that's when you get the $350,000. But if you're opting out and it's not COVID related, okay, then, then that's where the $150,000 comes in for opting out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's 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 not really COVID related. It's if you're high risk that if you got high COVID, risk. if you, you got COVID, but yeah. if you're just like, you know, like let's say it was myself or something like that, they're like, you know, listen man, screw the season. This ain't Without worth it. Risk. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, then you go into the 150. Uh even for the baseball players, you you're talking about Lorenzo Cain and, and his 33 million. I mean, he wasn't going to make that this year anyway. I mean, they're making a fraction of the, you know, the right. 60 games. And so it still doesn't come out. In fact, uh, you know, Jerry Cole uh, signed this uh, huge contract with the Yankees. I mean, uh, there's right. there's other players on the Yankees that are making more money than him because of what's front loaded and what's not. And, and the amount of games right. that they're that are playing. Now, listen, you know yeah. we know when you when you're making the type of money, and and for me as a fan, it's going to be really interesting. Mike Trout is out right now, right? Um, he's on paternity leave. Um, he's yep. having his first child with his wife, so he left the organization. I believe it was two days ago. He left the Angels. Yeah. You know, you know, you look into that baby's eyes, and you look into your wife's eyes, and your wife is saying, "Honey, you, you signed a three hundred fifty million dollar contract, four hundred million dollar contract." You really don't need to go back and play this year. Why don't you stay home? Nope. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, one, if he comes back, and two, if he does come back, if he eventually turns around, especially if, as these cases continue, where he's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going home. You know, this 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 ain't, yeah. you know, this season's, you know, turned into a joke as it is. Let, let me go home and be with my wife and my first uh, newborn child. Uh, maybe it's time to go home. So it'll be interesting to see what, what guys do throughout the season. I, I'm fascinated. I, I know it's a little bit evil because there's so much craziness going on, but I am totally fascinated with everything because uh, 2020, excuse my language, is a shit show, and it's 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 fascinating to watch. <laughs> well, uh, on the fascinating to watch part, the I think that Major League Baseball overall has done a really great job. I don't know if you guys watched or listened to the Mariners last night. A huge win. Huge win. Huge win for the Mariners. And they have some really exciting up-and-coming uh, players that are doing it. Kyle Lewis is one of them. But Taiwan Walker had seven scoreless innings last night. And the one thing I'm noticing with baseball is that, yeah, they, yes, they have all the cutouts in the stands. The Mariners had 8,000, more than any other major league team. And the piped-in uh, sound effects are awesome. When you watch on TV, the games, even if it's just like a game that maybe no one's, that doesn't have anything on the line except for these guys are playing, it has a it has this exciting feel to it that comes through 
on TV. The crowd noise, the the Piscean uh, cheers. It's really, it was fascinating to watch and listen and just see how they've made this accommodation in this transition. Uh, it, I, I thought that was really cool. So, I don't know, another positive. Positive, silver lining. Scott, as we wrap it up, I, I know you're football first and foremost. Uh, will you, you be watching any playoff hockey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I uh, think that uh, playoff hockey is probably the best sport ever to watch because it all means something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm um, not a huge baseball guy, but, you know, when baseball gets to the playoffs, it all means much more because every pitch means everything. And hockey, I don't think there's there's nothing better than the, you know, game seven, the last minutes, they're tied or whatever. And then they, 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 somebody's got to score, you know, get get the puck in. So there's nothing more exciting to watch on that. There's no doubt about it. And, then, and, you know, getting into your perspective, what you said, Will, I mean, heck, you know, first two minutes, coffee wasn't even cold. You had a fight. You had guys getting knocked out, guys getting sent to the back. I mean, to me, that's that takes it to the next level. I think you you hit it right on the nose. The testosterone level might be a little higher than ever in, in the uh, NHL playoffs. So it'll be a, a fascinating to watch. And at this point in my life, any sports to watch is good for me. I'm a happy man to be able to watch some sports. Dory, what are you watching? Watch some... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Yeah, I've, I've watched a little bit of everything. Uh, well, I say that I didn't watch hockey, so now I'm going to dial in. But I'm with I'm with Scott. I'm with you. Hockey to me has become more exciting. It's become more exciting, and maybe that's because Seattle now is going to have a team, the Kraken. So that's become more exciting to watch. I thought the basketball was um, still looks like exhibition. Yeah, looks like they're having exhibitions still. I, with basketball. I, I don't like the floor, and and I, I don't know. And, I don't know if Scott, you've seen oh, any of the basketball. For for me, the, it yet. yeah, the, the the out of bounds is is the same color as the court, so the court looks really big, and and oh. And, oh. and I think that's what's messing with my eyes because I was trying to figure out. I was like, why don't I like the way this looks besides the lack of fans? But even even with the lack of fans, it, it's still not bad. It's it's the court color. There's no separation. The court just looks huge, and there's no separation yeah. of color for the out of bounds, and it's just it's just kind of throwing it off. It just looks really just too lost, and uh, and it makes it feel like an exhibition. Well, the, yeah, yeah. The other sports, seriously, that I've been watching, um, WT the world the world tennis has been awesome. It's team tennis with different rules. And uh, you guys, it, it's getting so much attention right now because it's the only competitive tennis, uh, no fans in the stands, but it's team tennis with professionals. It's fantastic. Oh. Take a look at it. It is fantastic. It has rules to speed up the game. You can make substitutions in the middle of a game. It has well, what does that doubles, mean? women's doubles. What does that, that mean, substitutions? If there's, a player, if, there's, if there's a player that's not playing well, Let's say it, and they only play one set and up to five games, you've got to win by two. And, and that's it. Then, then if you win, then you get a point for your team. But you can substitute. If somebody is having a poor match against their opponent, you can take them out and put somebody else in, and they finish out the match. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And it has mixed doubles. So it's awesome. It is fantastic, and there were trades. 
now they're in the playoff season right now for the the World Team Tennis. It, it's great. It's on the Tennis Channel. I, I would highly suggest it. It goes fast. Um, again, each match you only play the five games. First one to win five games, boom, got a point for your team. Pretty cool. Huh. And then the WNBA. The WNBA. Yeah. Um, to me, that game right now, that product is better than the, than the NBA. Um, I know that uh, Sabrina, right? Yeah. Sabrina. She turned a she turned her ankle. A, she uh, suffered a grade yep. three ankle sprain yesterday. Um, yeah. so that she's going to be out for at least a month and, and it's just a shame. Yeah. Uh, she was playing so well, um, in her early WNBA career and it really pissed me off because the injury, yeah. they, they, they've yeah. been, they, I mean, she's a rookie and she just started playing and they're double teaming her and they're doing all these things to try to get the ball out of her hand. Uh, the defender, as she was coming up the court was trying to keep up with her and she couldn't. So she actually kind of stepped in front of her to try to slow her down. And when she did that, Sabrina stepped on her foot. And anyone that's played basketball oh. knows uh, I, I uh, tore some ligaments uh, right playing there. basketball coming down on someone's foot, um, which I think he did on purpose. So don't get me started on this story. Um, and my <laughs> ankle snapped. Sorry. As I came down, I stepped on the foot and my ankle snapped and rolled over. And that's exactly what happened. She stepped on the foot and rolled over her ankle and grabbed it right away. And they had to help her carry off. So that really upset me because... Listen, you know, you, you, as a defender, I know you're trying to slow him down, but if you don't got the angle, you can't just jump in front of somebody like that to try to do that. Uh, that's when injuries occur. And I was uh, I was just really upset because um, she's a talent. And if you want to watch games, right, and we're all fans of whatever the sport is, you want to see the best talented players out there. And New York Liberty, which is already a bad team, there's a reason why they drift, drafted Sabrina because they had a pick that was so high, and now it's just really they got the number one pick. Yeah, and now there's just not too many reasons to watch. They 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 still have some some guys, some I'm sorry, some ladies that you want to watch play, but not as ex, as exciting as Sabrina. Yeah, well, hopefully a speedy speedy recovery for her, and and the competitor that she is, she'll be back out there. She'll be back out there. So Scott's like, what um, the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> okay. So anyway, I've, I've seriously watching a little bit of everything and uh, and the Padres. Been able to see the San Diego Padres on television uh, more than the Mariners, and we have a friend that's part of that broadcast. So it was it's awesome. It's cool. I, I'm enjoying all of it, and then as well as getting out on the court and. Um, Anyway, those yeah. are the positives. Let's and get out of here. To, and we're trying to find those all the time. All righty. Yes. I'm with you on that. All right, kids. Good to speak to you guys. Uh, enjoy your games. You too, my friend. Your hockey, your tennis, and all that fun stuff. Wear your mask, boys and girls, and be safe. NYC, we're yes. out. <laughs>